official recording. Welcome to Best Boys, a film podcast, an amateur film study podcast for the average Joe, the buffest buffs, and the cringest bingers. I'm your host, JP, and I'm joined by my brother, professional Hollywood videographer, Tori Picavish. <laughs> hey, how's it going, everybody? All right. Welcome back to another Welcome back. wild, wild week in cinema. Although I don't really think anything happened this week other than the DC fandome. No, yeah, we ain't talking about that. Um... <laughs> But uh, what do we got on the docket today? What do we got on the docket? Uh, This week, so in preparation for Denny Villeneuve's Dune, we figured we'd watch the new Blade Runner uh, from 2017 and contrast it with the original and see, you know, how those two work together. How do they go side by side? Is Deckard a replicant? Who knows? But... So first... Uh, also, I think it's worth mentioning that Ridley Scott has a new movie out as well, The Last Duel. Um, mm. I think it's out now, and I I plan we plan on doing that a little bit later because he's got another movie coming out uh, in a couple months. I think it's in November, or I think yeah. actually it might be in December. House of Gucci. Um, and we're gonna do The Last Duel and House of Gucci together. So then this is technically also half of our future. Ridley Scott episode. Yes. Um, so, a, so, so it's a little out of sorts, but it will all make sense in due time. So, to, yeah, next week is our Dune episode, which been we've been very much looking forward to. Um, I'm super excited. It's been yeah, it's been like the one we've had circled on the calendar since we started this thing. Um, the the double Dune, the double Dune. Uh, I'm just excited Dune as an to rewatch the uh, the the Lynch Dune. <laughs> Yeah, I think it'll be good to see, you know. Oh, I've I'm seeing divisive reviews for Dune, but uh um I've seen mostly positive things. So, I'm excited mm-hmm. to compare and contrast the two, especially cuz most people regard the original as a failure. And I think it's entertaining, but, you know. I, I All right, we'll get to that. Granted, it also had the hype of our dad loving it. I think that's what it is. We have a lot of bias for that film, which we will we should we'll save and get into next week. But this week is another um, sci-fi double feature classic. It was nice to I watched these films back to back with uh, my girlfriend, and it was really nice. Um, I think we took a little we took a break for dinner, but uh, it was really nice watching these back to back. This is also my first experience um, with the final cut. I've only ever seen... I, I originally saw the theatrical cut, and then um, and then I saw the director's cut. I have the director's cut on DVD uh, downstairs, and I notoriously hate the director's cut. It is so really? long and boring. It is so boring. It makes this exciting, interesting movie too slow and too boring and just too much jf fucking sebastian and that's what we're (laughs) jf sebastian as a character is my my divisive point of this film of the original blade runner 
Yeah, um, I thought that the uh, director's cut just, uh, it was, like, the difference between the final cut and the director's cut was a couple added violent scenes added into the final cut and, uh, like, a color grade. Oh, um, it's a lot longer. It's a lot longer. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. Because I knew the theatrical one's the one that's, like, god-awful god garbage with Harrison Ford phoning in. No, the director's like, cut's awful. Director's cut sucks. Um, that can't be I, worse than the theatrical. Well, the theatrical, like it's it moves faster. It's 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 more pulpy. Like they explain, they spell things out more in the theatrical. They try to make it easy to understand. Whereas the yeah. the director's cut, it keeps all that mystery. It's just super long. Um, I honestly yeah, I, wonder if the twenty forty nine was more inspired by which like which cut was uh, Denny looking into when he watched uh, or when he was the final cut because uh, just because the length of 2049 yeah um, i i was looking into it and this is supposed to be a continuation of the final cut because um, boy is 2049 long and that is i didn't uh, didn't feel it for me i don't personally. i don't think it's bad i don't think it's bad but it, it just is long it's not like i thought that it was boring um it's just is it worth the time did it need to be that long Mm. Um, like, because there was a lot of hanging on shots of so much shit mm. in that, and I love it. I love the movie. It's a great movie. It's just the the conversation I think deserves to be had. Um, so with let's start with the original though. 1982, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Harrison Mother Effing Ford, Sean Young, um, and Rucker Mother Effing Howard, Daryl Hannah, um. And it's a it's a good cast. It is a such a head of a fucking ahead of its time movie. Um, oh, in terms sure. of, I'm mean, like, it's the the story is very noir. It's very like retro noir mystery, but through this future cyberpunk lens. The aesthetic mm. of this movie defines, I would say, the cyberpunk genre for a lot of people. Um, oh, the aesthetic sure. of it, everything. Um, so many, so many movies. Um, the sets uh, hold up so well to this day. I think the sets... I actually think I like the way that the sets look in the older one better than the new one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it has a much more feeling how cramped it is. Uh, but, I, but I guess they mention how like people are leaving the planet to go off-world to the colonies. And that there's yeah. like more space. But you don't really get that feeling in the original. Um, but in the later one, it does feel a lot more empty. Uh, there's a lot more space, um, especially once he's like out flying around to his spots. Um, it mm. feels a lot more empty and sparse. Where this is, this movie is dark, dirty, and uh, cramped is the best way mm. I could describe it. Yeah, I agree. This is, um, I love that the like when you say ahead of its time, like not only is it ahead of its time just from like a visual aspect, but just like everything about this movie does not feel like a movie that came out in 1982 uh, apart from some of the acting definitely fits that era but the um i this see this i think even like all the movie. acting is yeah. really good like rucker howard's performance is fantastic he's, i think he's the best acting in this but I, harrison ford has a lot of flat delivery lines that i kind of feel like well like because i guess you're you're used to seeing harrison ford and, and a lot of other things but he's I, supposed I to be like, much more well think about how k is in the second one like they're much more like um, but the way Brian delivery. Line, yeah but the way he delivers his lines has a lot more like 
not mystery, but just kind of like more weight to what he's saying because in the subtlety and the and in the few lines. Whereas a lot of the times with Harrison Ford's lines, I felt like he it just kind of felt it finally felt it's flat. Cold. And then I, I think it's meant to be like, cold. I don't think it's flat. I think it's cold, and that's like how all the characters kind of are. Especially like the humans seem to be less lifelike than the the robots. There's this theme of more mm -hmm. human than human. Um, it comes up in both films. The phrase. Um, mm -hmm. That uh, I, so I think that's a, like a coldness to him, and then as you find out, I'm not going to spoil the ending immediately, but you know it's on the table that he himself might be a replicant, mm. um, and that's essentially the theme of the whole movie is just is is he or isn't he, and it has him questioning himself throughout the film. Uh, pretty it's much, not, after it's he, not blatant uh, though; it's very subtle. No, no, it it it's uh, I it would say be... until you see the ending, then you realize how like prevalent i feel like that was because i had it uh because that's what i once it got to the um past the the sarah young stuff with rachel's character um i very much i had me questioning for the rest of the movie like it like is he was he isn't he um just because in the way that like the like she even asked him, like, "Have you ever taken the test and stuff like that?" And that's what. That's the first and... little hint uh, at it, and then, but it's much. It's subtle. It could easily made it a main part of the movie, and it's kind of like this background mm -hmm. question on your mind while he's figuring out this. Like it's more about Rachel. It's more about finding you know the other rogue replicants. Um, I don't know. I think that I think it works well for it. Um, the, like I said, the director's cut always came off super boring to me because of how flat, cold. All the the movie is so dark. Every scene, mm -hmm. everything is dark, and I kind it, it makes it feel a little bit samey. Whereas the this had more a little more the pay it just pays so much better. And you're I'm engaged. I was engaged completely the whole time. Like the movie was in. There's only like 25 minutes left. Um, by the first, by the time we were like, check, like decided to check, you know, like we were mm -hmm. already at the end when it was time, you know, yeah. it was good. Both movies per pace well, but this one in particular, um, the story is just, uh, broken up in a nice, in a nice, uh, chunks. The mm -hmm. only part I don't like about if we're, I'm just going to get into it is, uh, is JF Sebastian's, uh, JF Sebastian's character. And his place with his little people, toy people. And yeah. it is the only part of this movie, like, man, this is dated in a bad way. Yeah. Um, and J the actor who plays J.F. Sebastian, I don't have his name up in front of me, but he plays a character. He's He runs the, ho the motel in um, Deadwood. And he is so funny. He speaks very eloquently, but he's an idiot. Like, he's one of mm. those kind of people. Like very speaks of big words, but is so stupid. Um, uh, so it's not the actor or anything like that. Like, like he's meant to be goofy. It's just, I yeah, I don't like the little people, the little people robots. And Riss pointed out, she's like, there's just like so many little little people in this movie. Um, like mm. in the future, there's just more little people. <laughs> um, she like wanted it if if it was like not an exploitative way, but just like using it as a. Like, this is mm -hmm. how weird our world is. There's so many, you know, d people of different sizes, like kind of like yeah. Star Wars or something, but you don't have the liberty of other of aliens. So you have to mm. demonstrate how different everybody is in more ways. Um, 
With the Sebastian stuff, though, his were were his toys, like robots. No, I know, I know what they are. But I'm just the, saying uh, that they look they look bad. Like they didn't look good, and they move they didn't move good. And um, oh, yo, 100. percent Yeah, I thought you just, meant just there are scenes where you have like little people coming in to try to like take uh like pick up stuff in the streets after like a car is sitting. There yeah, for a while. no, she was pointing um, out there was just a lot of little people actors in this movie. Just period. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, the, the like that, that wasn't an issue or anything. It's just something w interesting. Like why he chose mm. to, to do that. Um, uh, yeah. So like, uh, that period is when I always start to tune out in the movie. It's like, I'm always interested at first and then they, like the toys and the, the director's cut is so much longer. And that's when I end up always like hating this fucking movie. Um, <laughs> But this time it's not bad. It's quick. It's a little bit quicker. Um, he just shows up at Tyrell's uh, golden Egyptian future palace in the night. And uh, and they kill him. And then they kill JF Sebastian. And that's the end of it. And the movie keeps on ticking. Um, it's it's kind of abrupt. Uh, like they introduce him just to... Then they dwell at his apartment. And I guess they mm. kind of are in there. That's where they're at in the end. Is his mm. apartment, and apparently he's like a geneticist, and he helps work on the the replicants. But he's kind of a goofball, and they kind of uh, I don't know. It How do you feel like they, about they the... don't like appreciate him or something? Yeah. How do you feel about his accelerated aging? How he's twenty five, but he looks like he's forty five. Oh yeah, yeah that that was that was cool, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I just like I, I just the reason why he's why he's still on the planet. Yeah, and the um, and I was like a the one replicant brings up. It's like, oh, so you, you know, you and I are the same because we have accelerated lifespans. Yeah, they, yeah, they connect. They make that connection that way. Hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of a way to kind of link the because uh, well, for the replicants part, they're trying to create a because they're going to use him to get to Tyrell, uh, like a link of uh, emotional empathy to kind of create between the two so i, I get why i get what his place is in the plot i just think it's an awkward and not good part of the movie um oh yeah it's very awkward i just meant like for the listeners at home like this is what it's going like this is the themes of this scene or whatever but yeah it's it's very it, the the dolls and all the mannequins and everything i think set off a it, ta it takes a movie into a weird turn similar to when harrison ford's doing his like wacky voice uh in the dressing room with the one oh, i like that yeah. that reminded me of star hey, wars hey. that reminded me of star wars when he does the voice um he does the voice when he's trying to be like hey everything's fine up here no problem you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah when they're rescuing princess leia on the death yeah, star yeah. this like, one was this every, so, now, so jarring to me i yeah it, if it, it just made me reminded me of han solo so i was fine with it it was very harrison ford thing it was yeah it was just it seems like super goofy at the time like it, it do you get used to it because it keeps going on he doesn't break it like immediately it's like a, well a he's like playing uh he's trying to play yeah. this this character but yeah. it's obvious that this lady knows like has figured out yeah, who from he the is. jump like you're supposed to be this world-class blade runner and you're, <laughs> that's your that's your fucking uh like disguise technique. I don't know. I thought it was fun, but like it, it didn't take me out of the movie. It was just something that was kind of like yeah, I didn't for me, me. A, a, that, a point, a small point of levity. If even if it wasn't, intended yeah, to be. I think that's what it is. I think that's what it is. Whereas JF Sebastian <laughs> is not levity. It's just creepy. It's like creepy doll clown shit. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I get that like the dark. replicants are like I get the themes. Like it where the themes is not my problems with it. It does mm. all co it's all cohesive in that sense. It just doesn't work. Um but I love I love so much about the movie. I love the the, te- the technology that it, like it just looks like a bunch of gadgets from the eighties mm. and nineties like taped to each other. Uh, like just, sl- uh, like they're just like modular things. Like it's a it's a TV and a camera and a viewfinder and a, like it's just like. But a, it's all voice command like the future like and everything. There's works, no, no mouses, and mice, and keyboards. That bugged me about both of these films is that yeah. they're like trying to avoid using a mouse and keyboard. Like we are beyond using mice and keyboard the future is being we figured something else better than that like and it's 2019 we're still using 480p cr tvs but we can get full fluent voice translation and voice commands and all that shit it's like where like that's where the priorities went in the technology they really than- lean into that in 2049 with like the alexa mm. uh stuff hologram yeah. and, and holograms are the big tech in the next movie but also they lean mm. into like the other voice assistant and voice command stuff um so there is stuff that they they uh they get i think right um i forget a lot that this movie is where the whole enhance thing comes from i said that too yeah i particularly think of it from super troopers um (laughs) when he just keeps he just types enhance enhance um yeah (laughs) the uh well, the other thing that's I think important to remember about this movie is that in the cyberpunk genre in general is that it's supposed to be the product of pure capitalism. Um, yeah. This is what happens when corporations are allowed to do whatever they want, um, you know. And uh, there's this there's this great you know technological advancement, but also great inequality. Um, you know, there's cultural diversity and, and like integration, um, but also. Um, you have this great, you know, divide between the poor people and uh, and and the rich, and the, then that's a hallmark of the genre, you know, to the the new cyberpunk game. I feel like the new cyberpunk game people wanted to lean into that a bit more, but mm-hmm. um, but uh, but yeah. So I think that, yeah, that's something super important to consider. And in twenty forty nine, like thirty years have passed, so like there is change, but it's also like a lot of the same shit um at the same time yeah like the cars the the cars are are similar still like a lot it's kind of like how in reality we're like from the 80s to now like there's some things that radically change but there's a lot of things that are just still the staple and are the same like cars fundamentally haven't changed from the 80s to now aside from like speed and and body style yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They, look, like, they don't look the same, but they are the same mostly. Yeah, but for oh, the I'm, most part, you know, a sedan is a four door with a hood and a trunk, and like the generally speaking, where same with this, like the flying car that Kay has is very simple. It's just a more refined looking, less that it was yeah, made in the prop house version yeah. of the same car Decker had. Yeah, uh, which I kind of like. I, that made it feel have a more like grounded place in the in the world where it's like it's just because it's thirty years doesn't mean that like the whole fucking thing got way more like futuristic it uh, it kept like a lot of the grunge and it kept a lot of the old like like um aesthetic from tech stuff just made it slightly sleeker um because that's like that's 
the a lot more in reality at least uh, how i feel and i appreciated that with the aesthetic on this i so much of this like especially in shot composition and some of the scenes with the lighting that it just looks straight out of the last like the original movie that i appreciated but we're still on the original movie so back to that <laughs> oh i thought you were talking about the original movie sorry uh, i was talking about like the 30 year gap between the two movies yeah um, um I I I think that the darkness of the original movie it it works well for the aesthetic, but I I I can see why they didn't stay with that for the mm. new one. Like it's more brighter and it's more color. It's colorful during the day more. Yeah. Where I mean, there's still a lot of dark and rainy shit, but mm. uh, but um, the old one is more about dark, like lights in the darkness. Like there's a lot of lamps yeah. and like. Uh, like indoors, there's like like lamp lit stuff and uh, like illuminated by like lights all mm. around and things like that, ambient light. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of this of original Blade Runner's lighting would why I think it's so ahead of its time is like as time and film has gone on, it's uh, soft light and big source soft light is become the norm and just what everybody chases. And this movie, it feels. So it feels like 20 years in, ahead of its time for uh, from a lighting perspective because it's just giant soft light single sources, um, but mixed with like the noir hard light stuff. Like in the beginning when he goes to the uh, he gets called into the uh, his boss's office and who I his boss, man, I he was the the other character that I thought did not have great line delivery in this movie. But oh, but that guy's um, like a classic there, character actor, dude. He has like a million million roles. He's in just so like, he's still alive. M. Emmett Walsh. Yeah, he's yeah. a classic actor in so many things. <laughs> Some he's of in stuff Knives Out. Out. He's I think he I think he's in Knives Out. Um, um yeah. yeah, sorry. But anyways, uh so you have scenes like that where you've got this massive blue hard light going in where they're looking at the projectors, but then you get to the outside stuff where you've got like giant green or giant blue coming in from the side somewhere and it's just like letting it letting it fall off there's not a million lights trying to illuminate everything it's more like i felt like more realistic gritty uh kind of lighting and then you have all the colored accent lights from all the neon signs and when on the interiors you've got your big soft light coming in through the window and then the only thing on the inside is those small lamps like you're saying and it's just it's very much how movies of this nature are are nowadays just seeing just funny that the movie that's made nowadays doesn't look like that the runner sequel does not look like that (laughs) decidedly it's, so i think yeah it's, it's much more sterile feel like it's like a dirty sterile feeling is what i kept mm. i kept uh describing the new one the old one yeah. is just straight dirty dirty and dark um it's not clean very unclean yeah <laughs> um but and i, I think it speaks works, to city though. city life more in the 80s mm. in the 80s cities were a lot dirtier there was a lot more crime um, like, uh, care for like recycling and environmental shit. Well, just like the cities didn't have policies for any of that. So like, yeah. if you went to New York in the eighties, it's just like, you look for it. Look, go look at pictures of the subways in New York in the eighties. And they look, they're covered in graffiti and there's trash and whatever. Um, and I think that speaks to that also a lot more than today. Um, and like in the city scene when Kay's eating new rice and whatever, it kind it's it's more lit up, but it it's kind of like that. But it definitely mm. feels more like modern movies where it's cleaner and lit. Mm. Everything's well lit up. It's very fluorescent, lit up like mm. like in an office. That's how a lot of this movie's lit up like an office. Um, what, at least twenty forty nine. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. Whereas the old one is, yeah, lamps. And uh, there is fluorescent lights, but they don't, there isn't so many that it illuminates everything completely. Um, mm. But in the new one, every, like every indoor shot, other than like in the gold places and like stuff that's mm. like colored. Um, but as far as like when the Robin Wright scenes and stuff like that, um, when he's going to see his boss, is mm-hmm. all everything's fully lit up like a hospital. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it is the. Um... Oh, sorry. Good. No, that's it. No, oh, I was going to say the. Um... Yeah, having that, it's it feels. I think it tries to separate itself from like the the first movie is a lot more of a noir, uh, and this one and the new one is is to a point. But I feel like the first half it, definitely it, is. Yeah, it just gets away from the noir to be more of like a a, a grander sci-fi uh, film when it starts bringing in a lot bigger world themes later into that movie. Um, but things like like the Vegas desert and stuff, even though it is so bright and it's very much. I mean, it, it still fits the aesthetic of the first movie, but it's still new and unique. I, and I don't know. Right. I, I I don't I don't like. It, I think it fits only in the narrative themes. I think aesthetically, it's more like this movie is '80s future or original movie is '80s future, and hmm. 2049 is definitely 2010s future in terms of the color palette and hmm. how, like the color period. Like it's the the use of color. They're both colorful movies, but it's like. Hmm neon signs in the darkness versus you know this gradient of orange and yellows in this irradiated las vegas you know mm-hmm. like um the 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 colors in there are just it's a different use it's they're both colorful but i would consider the original blade runner just be so much darker and muted there's a lot of grays sure. grays and blues um and uh the new one has it's more like it's washed out too but it's not it doesn't have the texture it doesn't have the yeah. it does not have and the it goes grit. all in on that like teal and orange craze of the 2010s that yes i'm surprised there isn't millennial pink the salmon that people love from the 2010s <laughs> or like mint green yeah. that's those are those are like the four colors of the 2010s mint mm. like a mint, mint green salmon pink i don't know what that color that what color you want to call that orange that is definitely in this movie and then mm-hmm. what was the other one he says turquoise that turquoise teal. Uh, teal yeah uh, yeah because the, the the first transformers movie like michael bay like really got that into the mainstream because that all of those movies starting with the first one are just heavy teal and orange and then everything every action movie every like kind of thing trying to be a little grittier just went teal and orange for everything and it's so oversaturated and it looks cool but when it's done for everything it kind of takes away any kind of meaning behind it other than just we did it to make it look cool but i think it worked in this movie though i i, I definitely was on board with the whole aesthetic because even though you get those that the those big bright moments of a lot of light you still have those nice like um kind of more muted grittier stuff like when k's ship gets shot down and uh, all those like stragglers are uh trying to beat the shit out of them um like you have that which is a lot more muted feeling and you have the um like the stuff towards the end it's the color the coloring is changes depending on the scene whereas in the yeah. old this old one it's much very more consistent. consistent it's very consistent to the point where it can feel um claustrophobic i think um, and I think it's a hell, it's a, it's like a good part of it, but also, um, it's something I think is, uh, that's why I think the director's cut doesn't work is cause it's too long and it's just, it's too much. You're dwelling mm-hmm. in these same scenes for even longer. 
um and so much gray like jf sebastian's place is so gray um mm. and like the spotlights risk kept saying jf sebastian's apartment building looked like a a, a prison like it felt like a, yeah, a prison a, a lot of his apartment building which i've been to the building that they shot then it's the bradbury building in downtown la and which is a normally if you go to it it's all brown and beautiful uh so they did a good job of making it look at this but this reminded me of like the the first burton batman like architecture aesthetic but on the inside where it's like gray and almost gothic feeling yeah that blue gray i know you're talking about like the late 80s (laughs) early 90s used this blue gray. even like uh think about the in terminator 2 in the the um insane asylum when they're breaking out um the mom yeah you know i'm talking about super blue Mm. everything's super blue in that this isn't quite like that um but it it i think it's like a proto let me like a proto kind of a feel um Mm -hmm. and it it doesn't date it it's just uh it's uh an aesthetic choice that i think uh it works it works but i think that's it works Mm. best in this cut um versus the others and honestly, with the going back to the JF Sebastian scene, if you replaced the dolls and mannequins with something less childlike and something a little more like they're supposed to be toys, five year old age I, appropriate. I, but no, I get that they're toys, supposed so to be toys. Like, but it's I feel just, like if you swap that out with something more, like, so creepy, weird. Like I want to get a picture of one of them. Like replicants built apart, like you know, like like half put together or something like that, rather than like these like this clown general and these like really weird like victorian dressed up mannequins and, and stuff which are creepy as hell but i just felt like, i feel like a 25 year old is not going to be making that kind of stuff but at the same time because he looked old he's probably never got his youth and so it's like that's his way of clinging back yeah well, what's with the european officer 1800s officer look that's what I'm saying. Like with it's a very the clown like, teddy like teddy bear thing. Like somebody was trying to someone whoever designed these was trying to say something with them. Like <clears throat> uh, war games. Yeah, I, I, that is the that if you replace that stuff with something a little more realistic for the setting, I feel like that scene would be a lot less hard. Not hard, but a lot less like taking you out kind of thing because the conversations that they have in there no, yeah the and that's all great. good that's all good yeah it's just the setting is a little bit like which i guess they're at that's 80s creepy is like dolls and things like that and clowns I get it, but, yeah it's um, so weird but fact, it's yeah, so that weird. definitely dates it but like it makes sense because like if you're able to make flesh robots like westworld style flesh mm. robots that you would be able to make weird abominations you know that are toys to you but are fucking freaks of nature you know like they don't look like any live real living thing you made something weird and new on the hodgepodge mm. and I, I maybe that's it. it it they creep me out but not in a good mm. way in a way that just feels like it doesn't work and it feels inconsistent with the aesthetic of the film yeah, um, yeah. It, everything else seems pretty timeless like you can watch it at any point and it not feel old but that one really sets itself in 1982 um but other than that that is like my only gripe with the old one like i know i keep talking about i know i probably said if you took a shot every time i said jf sebastian you'd be dead probably but 
Um, I, it really it is doesn't get in the way of the movie being great, and it and it, yeah. it isn't a like the th- it does work like I said with the themes and everything. Um, and it takes you to the next one, um, to like the next section. Uh, how did you feel about Daryl Hannah as Pris? Um, fine until she started doing like back wheels or backflips and cartwheels and stuff for no reason. I feel like that was just you could have just finished Deckard off a lot sooner if he weren't trying to back up for all these flips and things to give him a chance to get his gun together. But uh, outside of that, no, she was great. I um, I thought she did a great job of just kind of like when when JF Sebastian finds her. Uh, and she's like intentionally like making it look like she's homeless, covered up in the trash and everything. At first, I almost believed that she was just a homeless person heading home, like just without somewhere to go. But then as soon as uh, after she runs into his car and breaks the window and then like immediately turns around and comes back and was like, oh, nope, she's one of the replicants. <laughs> what did but, you, uh, I thought of the costume design, like the hair and the makeup. It was very I, re- it was very reminiscent of 80s goth and 80s. Yeah. Uh, uh, like new wave and stuff like that, like Susie Sue, um, the, and and those kinds of, and like the Cure and those kinds of things. Yeah, so, yeah. And I, I, I was I liked, so I liked it for that. It was like very future, but of the time at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I I, I came off as a bit, is it feeling a little dated? But I get, but looking at it for the time, like yeah, it works with the like the white face with the black spray paint uh, line across the. And the, the yeah, eye. it's like a mo- um, weird, creepy mime thing going on. Yeah. Um, but it fits I mean, with the it clown. Through. It fit with the clown thing of the yeah, of yeah, JF's yeah. whole place. And then once Roy got there too, it just kind of added to just the the level of it. it almost, for a split second, just reminded me of Akira for some reason. I don't I don't know why, but well, Akira is um, also influenced by this movie. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, I I could definitely see that. Um, but I want to ask you when I I noticed this when I was watching it and I wrote it down the. Uh, the Ridley Scott is seemingly having a uh, bringing the theme of this movie about bring uh, meeting your maker, and then he brings the same themes into the Prometheus uh, later in life, where it's the whole uh, when Roy meets the the Tyrell, Mister Tyrell, and ends up killing him, uh, and then you've got the the juxtaposition of that and pre- uh, Prometheus, where they meet their maker, the engineers, but then the engineer just immediately kills the old man and rips David's head off. So it's like, I guess that's um, Ridley Scott uh, seems to be like en- not enjoying, but like I'm trying to get a word it uh, bring like that being a common theme between movies and his movies and stuff. I find that interesting um, because that is very much what these movies are about and all that and and questioning it with religion and stuff i just find it's very interesting to kind of like tie it all together um if that makes sense i'm having a hard time putting my words together for it <laughs> um yeah um i don't know uh the the meet the makers the gold god thing i think was super interesting that was seen with where roy was talking to Terrell was one of my favorites mm. in the mm. movie um all the, the Roy scenes are just, are probably always the everything he's saying. I'm just super interested yeah. in his 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 motivations and reasonings, and um, because it makes perfect sense. Both of the films talk about slave labor um, a lot, mm. and the second one I think he even has a much longer kind of monologue about slave labor and how we like um, 
we we lost the taste for it with biological with humans so we invented mm-hmm. we made you know artificial ones to do it for us and and that kind of stuff i thought those are really interesting all that was really interesting as well mm-hmm. and it, and with automation and the way technology is headed um it's these questions are going to be coming up i think maybe not in our lifetimes but i bet not long after um mm-hmm. Like they're already talking about having robot, like uh, like humanoid robots working in factories. I know um, Musk has talked about it. I know he he loves to talk out of his ass about things, yeah. but uh, uh, he was talking about it. And I know they're like they use like you right now, and even in some Amazon places, they have like exo suits to help. Like it's not suits, but like exo skeleton things to help them carry things and stuff like that. Like we are headed to this future. I think it's not it's not quite as dirty um, as we thought it was going to be, um, or not quite as it's not quite yet apocalyptic. Um, mm. But the we we are living in a capitalist cyberpunk world now. You know, Jeff Bezos. Th- that's one thing that me and uh, Riss said that Elon Musk probably. Uh, loves Blade Runners, both movies, but instead of simply, you know, but he always wants to be Tyrell or Jared Leto's character Wallace in the, in yeah. the other one. Like he's like, that's me. I'm that guy. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm making the world better. Uh, yep. And and then it's like, doesn't like look how great I'm making the world, except for um, look at all the poor people and the people living in horrible conditions and. Um, you know, because and all you're focused yeah. on is advancing your own shit. Yeah. And, and that all that stuff is so relevant, and it's and I know that the 2017 one's still fresh enough that it's mm. timely. Um, but the old one even has a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. Um, I going back to your little exosuit thing. I was gonna say when I was uh, um when I was touring and doing a lot of traveling for work pre-COVID, uh, there's a lot of delivery bots. Uh, on like college campuses that we were at or even just like small cities that we were at where there's just these little white guys and they got a sign on it that says like delivery for xyz food place or or whatever place and they're just like they can they're like probably about like two feet long and about a foot wide and they got six wheels and they can go up and down steps and curbs and they can ride around campus and just they're delivering food like doordash and shit and it's like man that is uh wild and their collision avoidance was really good as soon as somebody got near them they stopped and just waited till everyone was gone and they they can cross the street and have all their like paths and shit and it's like this is just a glimpse of what could happen in another like 20 years if the uh if self-driving ever can become more viable but i just feel like self-driving thing might not be viable until there's like a federal network that they all can connect to kind of like how like with airplanes everything every airline knows what like skynet i don't so they don't intersect and yeah, hit each like other. Skynet. Um, no, well, uh, this would just be for cars. <laughs> yeah, but I but feel I, like that you you would need something like that for self-driving to fully take off the way like the future movies set it up as. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, speaking of driving, well, though, how do you feel about? Uh, yeah, back to Blade Runner. I feel like you're going how on do a you, tangent. Sorry, all right. I was just saying like we are closer to that future. Uh, but uh, speaking of cars, though, how dope slash insane is it how Gaff was uh, driving the car when he first picks up Deckard? He's got like, this big helmet on and his hands are like locked into these machine things. Uh, well, it's like it's a pilot like because it's very much like a piloting a aircraft. It's like halfway between an aircraft and a um, 
and a yeah, car. So it's like the 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 preparation needed is a, is more like that. Um, I feel like you don't see anyone else in the movie drive the car in the air like that, though. But um, no, you don't see anyone else in the movie drive the car. That's the only scene in the movie you see um, somebody drive. I'm pretty sure. I think well, Harrison Ford drives the one because he's in his car at one point, you know, like waiting outside of. Uh, in this one scene, I can't remember. It's a scene where the the people uh, are trying, the the little people are trying to like break stuff off of his car, and then he drives away. Um, I can't. But remember. I think it's different when you're driving and when you're flying. I think. That yeah, was, yeah. That was the only time we saw Gaff was Gaff flew. Um, I like Gaff. Speaking of which, I, I thought he was a very, very uh, interesting character. Yeah, he's one of the leads in the in Battlestar Galactica's reboot. Um, mm. That's how I know him. Um. Yeah, I like I like that. Um, the big old you know he's the kind of the origami guy, and, and he kind of reveals, um, at the in the end that he's aware of Deckard's dreams, which I think definitively reveals that Deckard is a replicant in the end. Oh, for sure. Ridley Scott has even said in numerous interviews. Like it's that not up for interpretation. I'm yeah. Deckard is a replicant. Replicant, yeah. Um oh well, and that's why he lives in the irradiated area in Vegas. So me and Riss were like yeah. Cause like that, you got that out of there too out of that too, because at first we're like, this is irradiated. That's why no one lives here. And then mm. like we were confused on the dog. But then we're like the dog might be a replicant. And and then Kay asks, yeah. is the dog a replicant? Um, and bees can live in radiation. Um, or they can ad- animals can adapt to radiation, but it takes time. Yeah. Um, like insects are much quicker to do that. But um, um yeah, I was uh, I was curious what uh, well, we'll talk about that movie in a second. But um, all right, well, let's just score this fucker, so then we can stop do back and forth in this. Well, did you well, did you like Jeez. or dislike? I know a lot of people hate that Decker's a replicant. Do you like or do you? No, dislike that's that? what makes the movie good. It's the twist. It is the twist of the whole movie because, like I said, it is not obvious that you're supposed to be questioning this, and the, and yeah. like until the you know until like it places the breadcrumbs. But it's like, what's that unicorn dream? This means mm. nothing. The unicorn dream mean, means nothing, and then that's what brings it all together in the end. And I think yeah, that it, I was. Sorry, good. No, so you're gonna say? I was gonna say I I was fine with it too. I thought it worked well. I, I was seeing some people online saying that it ruins the whole movie if he's uh of especially about like him being a human falling in love with a replicant if he ends up being a replicant. But I I don't know. I I thought it fit like everything that the movie was building towards and everything and questioning who you are and whatever and then to find out in that last moment that you are not at all what you thought you were. Um, and then just to go in the elevator and it closes on a black screen and that's the credits. I thought that was fucking hard. Uh, it really just, I thought was a perfect ending to that movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what are you, uh, what are you going to score this thing? Um, I was going to give it a, a four and a half. Nice. That's where I'm sitting at with it too. I'm at a four and a half. I really like this a lot. Uh, I could easily watch this again. It it doesn't feel long. It's very interesting to watch. It doesn't feel slow, and it's visually striking enough that even in the slow moments, I've got something to like enjoy out of it. Cool. All right, are you done? You want to move on to the next one? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, all right. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. 
this one I had no idea was going to be almost three hours long, though. Um, but it did not feel like it at all. I I was shocked uh, afterwards that I didn't. This didn't feel long at all. I did it in. Uh, I did one break just to go to the bathroom, but um, those those very much paced well. But also, this is kind of like my like. This is the kind of shit visually that I just love and get entranced with. Um, it's paced well. Been... I don't think it needs to be this long, but I think uh, that it is that it's fine. Like it works how it is, and I don't think mm. I'd like take away from it for being this long. But do I think it needs to be this long? I don't know. Um, like there's a lot of long takes. Um, I remember when he was walking into the. Um, orphanage place to get the ho- the wooden horse that it felt like mm. an eternity. Like I like felt like I was gonna fall really? asleep because he was walking in the round in this place alone, and I'm just like, dude, we know you just showed we just showed you walk through this whole place in your dream so much faster than this. It is mm. so long. Uh, that was the one that was like me and Riss both like f- were about to fall asleep in that scene. Cause like mm. we knew where it was headed. We didn't even need to see this cause we saw it already and it's just taking its time. Like, yeah, we know the horse is in there. Just get it, dude. <laughs> get the horse. Um, and uh, I get it's a I, big I... moment for him, but it just, it was mm. too long. That it was just one example of like, this did not need to be this long. Yeah. I think during this scene, Kylie like made it like hit the nail on the head of guessing of like what the end's going to be. Um, and we just were talking about that when this was happening, so it didn't feel that long to me. Um, because by the well, the fact that you uh, were talking over it was it it pretty much uh validates, yeah. Um, but it was cool. The the, that that orphanage scene was cool until he wanders off on his own, and then yeah, I get what you mean about just like Like, I I get that it needed to be there. I I don't have a problem with with it being Mm. there, just like. I felt like I might have fallen asleep for like five minutes and I woke up and he's still walking slowly through the place. Yeah. Um, it was like one of those where you lose track of time and you don't know how much time has passed. If it was just like a minute or was it like 10 minutes, you know? Mm -hmm. But overall, um, sorry. Overall though, uh, I I I didn't I didn't really have uh, any problems with the with the slow parts though I um I think I I was just so appreciative of the like a lot of the establishing shots in this movie and a lot of the shots of just like in the streets and stuff are, are feel like they're straight from the last movie like they just it almost felt like they had the same DP just with better cameras and lights and stuff or like when he um specifically one that really stood out for me as like this looks straight out of the last movie was when Kay goes to the Wallace corporation for the first time and then you have that like very wide shot of the like the uh it's a, you have like the corner point of the hallway but you're seeing down both of them and Kay's up on the uh talking to the the bald guy um at the thing and it just like it holds on it for a good bit and it just felt so much like the last movie uh in such a great way and i like i like doing homages to previous films in that way where it's not in your face but it's very much like you know we we get what you want uh what you're looking for out of uh member berries or whatever um but it but it it, it it's, it's so cool i like i like so much of that stuff a lot of the, like the outdoor street stuff in the rain even though it never rains in los angeles it does in this world uh, well it's climate change that was a yeah. big theme of the movie that kept coming up is it's snowing <laughs> in los angeles yeah 
was very i which i just figured maybe yeah, they're in like, the mountains because it does snow in the mountains out no here, no we destroy the environment there's no more trees they have problems growing things yeah it's yeah it's climate change <clears throat> but uh well yeah that makes more sense but i mean it didn't take me out of the movie or anything uh thought it was silly um was silly yeah just like to make a joke of this like like i've been there it doesn't rain at all that's like well, yeah that wasn't different. a joke it was meant that like no, this I, is I, what I, changed I yeah yeah i was just meaning like making a joke with kylie when we were watching it um but how did you feel about jared leto's performance i loved him and wish that there was more of him in this um i don't know i think it's a little it was a little hammy um i didn't think it was bad but uh like he's just doing a voice it just sounds like Jared Leto doing a voice, and like, uh, like, I don't know. Like, could, you could have got somebody that like talks like that or something, I, I, like an older guy. Mm. Or, I get that he's like a cyborg, so he's not gonna be old. But um, I don't know. I, I he just it sounded like Jared Leto putting on a voice. It wasn't bad. Like, it doesn't take me out of the movie, or I, I don't think it like it's not gonna make me knock the movie. But I also mm. like. This is like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Really? I, I had the opposite reaction. I, I, I really liked the performance, and I, I was hoping there was going to be more of an like at when the end of the movie was happening. I was really hoping that he was going to end up back at the Wallace thing again, um, or something. Uh, after, uh, yeah, the character's existence honestly is weird. Um, I always remember that being a gripe that a lot of people had with the movie. Well, I remember when it first came out was like what the like jared they didn't know what to make of jared leto's performance in it <clears throat> but the how what was uh how did you feel about the like yeah which i was a little confused by this scene uh and i wanted to ask you about it but when jared leto goes into that uh it's like the the bag that i guess it's a, a replicant being born you i guess is, is that is what that yeah, is yeah that's what that is um, yeah and then he just like he says some shit and then he just stabs it in the stomach and kills it and then leaves and i was kind of confused about why cuz he was talking about the replicant that uh, that gave birth and they want to find it and all that stuff and i was just like well, are you just going to kill replicants now until you have the the miracle baby or like yeah, cuz like that it was supposed to be symbolic it was supposed to be symbolic that whole thing <clears throat> Like the that's what the whole thing was. Like they birthed it was birthed a uh, a person, and then they were like kind of like a, a baby deer. Like they the way that they were, they couldn't stand yet, and mm. um and then he like sacrificed. He just like sacrificed it because he could. Like he has their lives in his hands. He is their god. He's the god. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes more sense. Um, at first it just kind of like confused me a bit because it's like. I read it as like is this old this is the old tech it's now dead because we have this miracle baby that is going to revolutionize replicants. Uh so what's the point in these old ones? No, no. I don't think that's what I don't mean I don't think that's what it is at least. I don't know for certain. Um but, Hey, making you think. <laughs> but um what? Yeah, I mean it's something like if it if it's a scene that creates two different thoughts out of something then it's a good, i would say it's a good scene to if it makes you think well but that would be definitive you're saying a definitive plot point that is never explained or alluded to or anything 
Well, because it, I, the scene could be left like, to, up to like that. But that's like too, like that's like a you're interpreting a plot, a major plot point, yeah. versus just a a symbolic gesture. You know, like that. That's what I always have issues with. Like me and Risk get in discussions like this, where it's like, like you can read anything in the, read anything out of anything, you know. But mm. if it's like a major plot point of the film, like this is part of his master plan, and it isn't like explicit. There's not really any evidence to really back that up. Then besides yeah. this uh, speculation on what was happening, um, then you know that I think that's the difference between like. Um, like symbolic interpretation, because like I don't know that's what the, what I said. I don't know that that's exactly what it is, mm. but it's not like if it's not that, it's not changing like the the oh, the arch like the arc of the thing. If that makes sense, and I don't mean to poop on what you're saying. It's just um, that's I think my the way I differentiate those two kinds of things. Um, but uh. But yeah, I don't know. I didn't have a problem. Like I said, Jared Little shit didn't have a problem with it. It was just like didn't make me mad or take mm. me out of the movie. It's just like this is a goofy voice, but it uh, that it's you know he's going for something. So is he? I took it as he was blind, and then he was using that little implant to control robots to be his eyes for him. Is that? Well, I think he, his extra eyes. It's like an it's like a cybernetic enhancement. I think he might that might be the case also like. Uh, but uh, I was taking it as like he wanted to see you with his main eyes, which also appear to be lighting up and enhanced. But he has these uh, extra camera eyes that he can mm. see you at 360 degrees at the same time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was curious because I was I was very much looking at his hand movements and stuff when he was like sit down and then he would like take someone's hand and stuff about whether it was like blind or if it was just he's just got wild eyes. Um, but uh beyond jared leto cast wise i uh speaking of knives out the the girl who plays joy is from uh, was also in knives out uh um, and enormous yeah how did you feel about the the ai relationship she's between... the best character in the movie best character yeah. in the movie by far um most interesting thing about the whole thing i'm you know i'm sad when she died um, mm. I thought it was just the commentary on the Alexa thing, but also kind of remind me of a movie like her. Oh, um, so much of her, the exact same, this is shot way better, but the exact same plot point happens in her where her, like he gets a surrogate or the, the Scarlett Johansson's AI gets a surrogate and then they try to like have sex and stuff. But this, I thought did it way cooler with the hologram, like trying to, yeah, that's the difference is the hologram technology. Um, the movie brings it up in multiple ways, not just, not just with the, the AI thing. Um, mm. but yeah, the relationship's so sweet. And in the end, you kind of wonder it was, this was just all what she's programmed to do. Cause you see like an ad version mm. of her and she says similar things and it kind of, it, that's, that's like the moment when Ryan Gosling decides that he's going to like sacrifice himself. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I liked, I liked all that though. It was done really well. Yeah, it, it, for it, her performance made me care about Ryan Gosling more, if that makes sense. Like I, it, it put weight to his actions more because it felt like he had something, even if it wasn't real. It, it felt like he had something intimate and close for him to lose. Um, especially when they, when he like disables her and erases her out of the home and to take her into the pocket edition. 
uh, to take with him and stuff. It was like it 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 made me feel like he. It's it's showing more human emotion at him, and you can it's showing like how his as a replicant in character he's growing more human. You could argue. Um, but yeah, I was so sad when when Love stepped on the on Joy's little thing. Um, I don't want to call it Joy Stick, but the the Emanator is what it was called. The Emanator, that's it. <clears throat> uh, um, yeah, definitely felt super sad. I was I was very upset about that. I kind of wanted there to be like a quick revenge thing where Goslin just kills Love right there, but um, the movie must go on. Yeah, what did you think about love? I don't know. I felt at first I was like, oh, this is just supposed to be like a, a Rachel looking person uh, to call back to the first movie. Um, and then she just, I, I didn't realize that like she essentially can just do whatever the fuck she wants because of Wallace Corporation owning the world, essentially. Uh, so she's just like murdering people to go. She murdered Polka Dot Man, which made me sad. To go get the uh, the bones and then the the Joshi the cop. Yeah, uh, so there are a couple few good couple character actors in this movie. We got Wood Harris and David Dasmalchian in the same scene, um, mm-hmm. which was cool. Um, Wood Harris uh, is a Best Boys alum from uh, Dread, I think at least Dread. I think he might even be in something else. Mm. Uh, but that I don't know. I I like I didn't like her character, but I think I'm not supposed to like her character. I think that's the point. Um, is to just kind of like she's, but she's just, the she's, she's the, kinda, the only yeah, real villain, villain of the movie. Yeah, she's the true villain of the movie. That's why all the reason why I was like, the way they're using Jared Leto was weird, because like is he the villain or I mean he is the villain. He like just, he is yeah, the villain. He, just said he wants the child, and he just said get it. You know, any means, but he's possible. not in the movie that much. Like it's a yeah. strange wa- way to have used him. It, it almost made it seem like th- this could have been a, a sequel to an even bigger yes. world. Yes, I agree. I felt like that a lot, especially Which they will when you not had the do. Scene. They will yeah. not do because this movie bombed so incredibly hard. Which is sad because I don't think it deserved to bomb. Um, but this but... movie is not. This isn't a movie for a Marvel audience. And yeah, with, I mean, this you can't a give. Flip. This is a Marvel, but this is a popcorn budget, and that's the problem that you have yeah. when you want to do artsy films with with big budgets. And it's why you don't even get artsy mid. Like uh, I was watching a thing. It was with one of the. It's with um one of the Skarsgards, the older Skarsgard, the one that's playing Baron Harkonnen, and he said something like, "You know, nowadays." all the films to get made or are either are either hyper big budgets that are like Marvel movies or indie small indie budgets. There are that studios do not yeah. take chances on middle budget movies anymore because they are the hardest to make money. Like yep. you, the big budget movies are sure things are supposed to be sure thing, yeah. sure money makers. And the, and then indie films are low risk, high reward if it's good. And you know, you can make a movie like ghost story and make money off of, you know nothing yeah you know no 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 money involved i i think that that's the cautionary tale of of this movie and i i'm glad it exists but i feel like there's going to be less less movies like this too i guess honestly though i might be full of shit because dune 
is getting made. Dune has been yeah. made by and this it's director, it's and it's supposed to be in the same vein. But you know, if audiences don't vibe with it, like they did not vibe with this, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's that you know, what are we, it's gonna be like Chronicles of Dardia. They're gonna make three movies and stop. Yeah, well, apparently this only the new Dune only covers like I think they said half of the of the book. I, uh, I, I thought it was I thought it was like half or a third even. Yeah, um, it's, it's not the whole book. It's I know supposed that. to be part so it's one. Supposed it's supposed to be, to be part yeah. one of the book. And they're planning on a sequel, but whether or not they, I mean, I hope it does well because I I like this director. I've uh, Prisoners all, was was my favorite out well, of this. Well, yeah, original. Prisoners is is, is I phenomenal. we need to, next time we do Denny, we got to do Prisoners because it is his best film and it's, it's only, it's like one of his few non sci-fi films and um, few non giant budget. Like arrival was a pretty big budget too. Yeah. It was. Um, there's a lot going on in that movie. Uh, but I forgot Prisoners. about arrival. Arrival was a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it not what, being think... tied to a franchise obviously helped it. Whereas blade mm-hmm. runner is like people blade runner. Wasn't even like, it's a kind of a cult, classic film head classic but it's not really yeah, a mainstream the original flop in the uh at the box office originally um uh, i don't know keep talking i'll i'll tell you um but anyways uh aside from denny denny villeneuve who's a phenomenal director um i did like speaking back to love i did enjoy that at the end of the movie where she like uh went to go swim uh, or she thought she killed or beat uh uh, K, and she's like, "See, I'm the better one. Like, it's a, I'm the best one. No, I'm the yeah. best one. Because that, so that was when I was like, huh, that's interesting. So her whole character motivation is just to be the best replicant. Yeah, to, to, in the eyes of her creator, in her of her god, almost, you know, essentially. And what, one seem, of the characters, because she also refers to everybody as good boys and bad boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, that actually comes up a lot for." Ryan Gosling's character, people call call yeah. him good and bad, good boy and bad dog, good dog, um, and uh, but she she seems to be you know very interested in serving her master, uh, but she wants to be the best dog, she wants to be yeah. the best, um, and she takes pride in up, her work, yeah, and someone one of the characters I can't remember who brings up uh, earlier in the movie um, about saying like oh you must be really important you actually have a name. Um, because none of the other love says get Lo- I think love said that. Or no, no, no. Ryan Gosling no, said that to too. love. Ryan yeah, Gosling yeah. said that to love. He's going, yeah, and yeah. she liked that. She, so there are little subtle things where she or like her and Ryan Gosling will emote. Um, somebody says that Ryan Gosling doesn't have a soul. I think it's Robin Wright. Yeah, um, it is Robin Wright. And he looks a little sad. Like he's just like, oh, yeah. you're right. And uh, right. that is that moment was the exact same as when he says to love, you must be special if you have a name. And she's yeah. like, has this like slight smile and like blush almost. Um, it's like, you're a robot. Like, um, and I think it's really interesting. So the big difference between the replicants of the, the sequel to the original is that they're supposed to be um, much more obedient in the, um, they they're less they have less like free will and less range of motion, um, mm. but uh, you know I, I, after those two scenes we see that there are definitely still emotions in these people. Um, uh, what did you think about the baseline test uh, for the replicants versus the test in the first movie? The, the Voight Comp test. The Voight Comp um, test. Yeah. 
I uh, I I thought the Void Comtest thing was pretty cool. I like the whole eye scan stuff. On this one, it kind of felt like it was more of a a quick side thing, like a nod to the original, and less of like yeah, yeah. I got uh, that as well. And it was like fast. Like it was much cool. faster paced. Mm -hmm. Um, it like was, much more uh, intense. Yeah, which I I don't know. I I just kind of happened. I didn't really feel anything. I was like, oh, this is the new version of it. Okay. And then that I moved on. Whereas, like, you had that whole twice in in the original Blade Runner, you had the opening sequence, which is we didn't even talk about the opening sequence, which is phenomenal. Where you've got the uh, the Blade Runner interviewing the the guy to see if he's a replicant, and they do it all slow. They have the machines come up, and he's asking all the questions, all slow and everything. And then you it comes back again with Harrison Ford with Rachel, um, and he's just firing uh, like he's firing his questions off, uh, and and it's very much more tense because. It almost feels like Rachel before like, you assume she's a replicant, but this is before we're like we're supposed to officially know. Yeah, uh, she's as it was seems like predetermined answers as if she knew the questions. And Mr. Tyrell even brings up about like you know how often does it take you a hundred questions to tell somebody uh, if someone's a replicant because he had to with Rachel. And he's like it's hard, but it's like he knew or whatever. But I I, I it just felt like it had less importance in this movie. It was just more of a not. Um. Um, so. what did you think? I thought the CG Sean Young looked really good, um, versus, uh, the other movies that do DHing for actors. They didn't use the real Sean Young, um, in 2049. They just got another mm -hmm. actress and, and put her face on him, on her. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I thought this was probably one of the best examples yeah, of I'd using, agree. This uh, like it's way better than Tarkin from, from Rogue One. Probably the worst. Honestly, didn't hate him when the first time I saw him. Try not to get on a tangent, but no. th but still better than even like Leia in the Rise of Skywalker or um, Luke in the Mandalorian or I don't or even Leia know the end of Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, um, all of those. Like yeah, this is the best one of these I've ever seen. I don't. I would I, say what. I think the lighting is part of the reason why it looks so good is all the gold mm -hmm. and the and the water, the gold water thing. Yeah. I would say some of them, like the Sam Jackson de-aging and Captain Marvel is what I thought was probably the best de-aging in a movie, but this one beats that, I think, for sure. Um, this it There was no uncanniness. You could never tell, really, in this one. You know, and it, or like... Uh, it's you know it's not like Robert De Niro in the uh, in the Irishman where you can clearly tell it's de-aged because the rest of his body is so like still old. Well, man. yeah, they didn't make her do anything. She just walks up and says a couple lines. Yeah, it's, um, it's like knowing then, the it's like knowing the limitations of the technology and working with it than, instead of against it. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah, that, I thought that was fine. Um, and it's what we kept talking about. It's this may be the few, the very few examples of a film that is a sequel movie, cash grab sequel, you know, 30 years later, that is actually good. Mm -hmm. I don't, I can't think of another one. There's been so many of the last, in the last 10 years, like re reboot calls, yeah. re remakes, whatever you want to yeah. call them. They are Dylan nine, three. yeah, nine times <laughs> out of 10, terrible. It may be probably bet more worse than that odds wise, but this mm. is a good one. And yeah, uh, honestly, I I feel like even without sorry, good. Well, I was just gonna say the fan service shant um is like a reason that is always a detriment to these movies is because you have to make people that watch the original feel like oh I remember. 
remember that? Um, you got to give him the member berries. So like you do have those moments with Harrison Ford. I do. I honestly think that Harrison Ford does not even need to be in this movie. I think that that this yeah. movie could be just fine without Rachel and Deckard being in the movie. Mm. Um, like in the way they used him, I'm fine with it. But like if they would have used him even more, it would have made the movie bad. And I think Agreed. that that is something that is a mistake on all these. 30 year later sequels is you rely too much on the original source material instead of like living in the world. This Mm -hmm. movie does that. You're we are in the world of blade runner. This is not a direct sequel to the story of, of the original. Yeah. I I think if you had any more Harrison Ford, like more Deckard stuff, it would start to feel like star Wars episode seven, where it's just like, remember this guy now he's here for the whole movie. And it's like, where Deckard's in this, but it's mainly to just for a little bit of exposition. And then, yeah, he gets taken back to Wallace and all that, but it's more just, it, it, it fits with the plot and fleshing out what the plot is because it's all, it, it, they're all looking for this hybrid child. Uh, well, I guess not hybrid. It was born of two replicants, but they're looking for this replicant born child. Um, and like logically that's what if you found the dad of it you would want to go whatever and i don't even hate the fact that they made harrison ford and rachel the parents of it because based on how the last movie ends you know they were running away together like it would it, it just all kind of made it, sense. yeah you don't yeah I don't, uh, you do kind of need to see the first one if you just want to get anything out of the harrison ford scenes but other than that you don't really need to see see the original um it's just mm. to know who harrison ford is and like the, yeah. the couple references to the original um uh yeah i don't know it's good super good i did look up the the original was a 30 million dollar budget and it made 41 million 41 and a half million. Ooh, that is not good for that time period uh yes, so it was not. It didn't lose money, but it was not a box office success. Well, you got to remember, you got to double that marketing. For marketing, yeah. So it lo- it probably lost money, um, but it became a cult hit, so it made its money back. You know, long term. And DVDs, um, yeah, and all the different cuts. That's like selling the movie three different times. Um, yeah, all the cuts but, really. I think the cuts mm-hmm. also is what muddies the, the um. The legacy of the original film. Um, mm. Oh, I will say the original film score is way better than the new one score. I barely yes, even noticed I, the new one score, and the old one is like, holy shit, this is vibe. It sticks city. out in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, your Vangelis. the sample from your song it came on, and I was like, I know this. Yeah, this same. Is, and then I, same. I kept waiting for the 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 boom bap drum beat to drop, yep, and it didn't. Same. And I was like, ah oh, man. But it, but it worked. It fit the scenes and everything. I definitely loved the soundtrack of that. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, since we're now we're pretty much into the meat and potatoes of this one, how did you feel about the big plot point of the movie where it, the switcheroo of it makes you think that Ryan Gosling's character is the the child only to be have it be pulled out halfway through the movie? I liked it. I liked it. Just straight up, I liked it. Um, I thought mm. it was really good. Um, it, like, the fuck with it, like, to be with the audience, and, like, I was doubting it as it was happening, but mm. I w- but not in a way, like, I thought, like, it was just, like, this is weird. I don't know if I, how I feel about this. And then they didn't go with it, and I was like, oh, this makes sense, that he was implanted. Because yeah. Ra- we know from the first movie that Rachel was implanted with memories from Tyrell's niece or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um... um so that I was, 
curious about. I wanted to ask you. So I took it as they he was a replicant made to be put in the place at the orphanage to take the place of the the daughter. And then that's why he has the real memories of like him and all this stuff. Or did the daughter make it her way all the way up through? The no, no, that was the daughter's the memory. Cause she said, gotcha, gotcha. cause the way she said, Oh, these are re-, like these, someone lived these. And she yeah, like yeah. looked at them all sad. Cause she knew that memory herself. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah. That's I, I figured I just, I just wanted to make sure on that. We Kylie and I asked that question afterwards. Uh, but yeah, that's, I figured it was that. I think that's why they didn't find any information on a boy because there wasn't a boy mm-hmm. there. Um, they just they just you know changed all the records in the system or whatever. Yeah, you just had like the twins with the girl dying and the boy lived, and then that like made you think. That's the real thing that made you think it was. It's a little. That does remind me of Star Wars a little bit, but um, not not with the just that there's twins, I guess, boy and girl twins, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, that had to be hidden away, but yeah. um. Yeah, I like it. I'm, I'm, re- I can score this one honestly. Yeah. Um. Last thing I'm gonna say is, this, so Ridley Scott produced this, and I don't know how much of a hand he had in this, but I feel like not a lot because I feel like a lot of modern day Ridley Scott movies aren't nearly as good as his older ones, and I feel like this definitely had Denny's style all over it. Um, right, and Deacons was cinematographer. Roger yeah. Deacons. Oh, Deacons is so good. Yeah, the yeah. The Deke God was on this one, and you can tell with the cinematography. It's beautiful. Yeah, you um, should watch some behind the scenes of it. He goes through some elaborate shit just to make these, like, what you would think is a simple lighting setup. Uh, he has these things that's like a row of, like, a hundred different lights just in a big circle for the for the scene with Jared Leto uh, with the replicant being born thing. It's all these things that you think was just, oh, it's probably just a big light overhead or whatever, but very intricate things to get very specific looks and it's so nitty-gritty detail for this movie almost it's like a it's like a scientific level uh to get the movie to look the way it did and it's so good i highly recommend looking it up yeah i that is interesting i might just do that um yeah i like both of these films and i think that they have a it's like a venn diagram where aesthetically they are they reside on the outside but there's a cohesive in terms of narrative themes but cohesion in terms of narrative themes but also mm. even visual ones in terms of the future the the modern future um of uh of these two films you know the it is mm. the modern the modern days interpretation of the future it's weird hearing them say years like 2019 and stuff like mm. that uh, in the original film, uh, because that's where we're living now, and yeah. we might not have all this crazy, you know, shit. But we got lots of LED LED lights. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. My whole living room we, is fucking full of them. So we, we definitely are getting there. Uh, I definitely. I, I I wonder. I I was thinking about this as you were talking. Uh, because you know, between like the mid 1800s up towards like that next hundred years, like technology and shit just advanced so quickly and so fast and transformed the whole world. And it kind of makes sense of why in the eighties they figured in 30 years, shit would transform, like continue to uh, at like exponentially transform at that rate instead. But really it just kind of, slow down and just add it in different ways like i think it's still mil- we're, we're still exponentially evolving it's just not in the ways that people yeah. think because like a lot technology the evolution of technology is predicated by the needs of 
um, the modern day. So, yeah. you know, you have big leaps during wars. Big wars usually mm -hmm. end up giant leaps in technology. But in with our modern day and in this fictional world's day, it is driven by profit and capitalism. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's we're going to have electric cars because it is now um, economically viable to create electric cars. It's not because the government said we should save the environment. I'm mm. forcing you all to make electric cars. It is because the market now has become open to electric cars. Like, um, or, you know, like even this is actually a better example. Uh, automation, uh, the self-checkout, right? Self-checkout. Mm. That was done as a response to, um, you know, raising labor costs, rising labor costs and um, worker now with the, nowadays with the pandemic worker shortages. Um, mm. And so more uh, automation means less employees needed. And mm. um, that's over time could become, you know, replicants. Automation could become yeah, robots sure. that, that then you know not only are they gonna check you out, but they got a mm -hmm. robot stocking the shelves. They got a robot slicing the meat in the deli. They got a robot doing something else at Walmart. And next thing mm -hmm. you know, there are no more human beings. Or there's only managers. They're only technicians that fix the robots that work at Walmart. Yeah. Um, and that rapidly changes your economy. Uh yeah. and uh I think this that's the future we're kind of headed to and it, it, i think it ends at something like this not one-to-one -one, you know but uh um i think that is a thing that can that is the cautionary tale of the mm -hmm. corporate um run world capitalist uh society purely capitalist society yeah i mean this is not this wasn't my propaganda this wasn't supposed to be no, a communist no. propaganda thing They're just talking about the themes of the film and like the, yeah. pro, the cons that come with it yeah for sure um i guess that it always intrigues me with just like with a lot of these movies that go 30 years in the future just the architectural uh design of everything immediately shifts widespread whereas like in reality you know we've got homes from i'm in a house that was built in 1900 and you know, it still looks exactly the same and all that, but it's in these movies, it's like everything. But cities just... are where you see the most, um, most of that. And yeah. uh, but even like downtown Pittsburgh, which yeah, ran you're right. City. You're right. You're right. But even in Los Angeles, there's a lot of old buildings and homes that are still from the 1900s or whatever, where in movies like this, they make it seem like everything got torn down and was rebuilt with chrome. And, uh, oh, well, I think that, well, but what, and I think societies even, I don't want to go down this road too long and my, not my political hat is on, but, uh, you know, even that we're dealing with now is, um, are we have a road system? We have a plumbing system and in this country in America that needs bad, needs to be badly redone, um, because mm -hmm. it's over a hundred years old and it was made with lead pipes and, what the fuck ever like um that infrastructure degrades and it gets to a point where it does need to be redone um mm. and the and like in, in in the cities you know you're gonna have a skyscrapers that are over 100 years old and eventually they're at least gonna need to be renovated but i guess you're right that even in renovation they're not gonna rapidly um uh shift the architecture of the of the outside yeah. of the buildings it's going to be mainly the same unless they want someone makes the choice to tear something down and rebuild it so you are right that is a yeah. good point that is a good point um i, I thinking about both these movies is all the egyptian shit uh mm -hmm. 
the both of these have pyramids in them and and I mean when even the Las Vegas had so much Egyptian shit. And no, I guess yeah, for sure. I thought about that in the second one and in the first one the Tyrell Wherever the Tyrell place was, it was like a pyramid, mm. and it was filled with like gold. Everything was gold, um, and the Wallace place had those vibes as well. But we never really got a good look at like the yeah. outside building. I, I, I speaking of those pyramid stuff in the first movie, that's all miniatures with just uh, yes. painted like painted backdrops, and it looks so good. And I miniatures really, really always look wish- good. Yeah, I really wish that the the new movie was gonna stick with mainly. That's why Star Wars. And... That is why Star the old Star Wars looks so fucking good. It's because mm. it's all miniatures. Um, it's so good attention to detail with every little thing. Yeah, and then mixing. Yeah. Like, this but, movie mixes the miniatures with like um, painted backdrops. You know, like regular matte paintings. Style. Yeah, yeah, and it works. It it fits. And the uh, and going along with the Egyptian thing. Both movies, mainly the first one though, so much Japanese. Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, it's Egyptian and Japanese, yeah. and and I don't even think just Japanese because there's Chinese culture in there as well. Asian, yeah, just like Southeast Asian culture uh, mixed up in there as well. Because they even refer to the area as Chinatown in the first movie, I think. Well, he um, goes to Chinatown at one point, but he starts in like a Japanese district. Yeah, and a lot uh, of the ads, a lot of the ads are Japanese, and yeah, um, yeah. Japanese stuff is a huge part of cyberpunk. Like uh, katanas mm. and and kimonos and and whatnot. Mm. Um, yeah, I I've really made me feel about like that Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven game. It was just we're gonna take Blade Runner, but we're gonna make all of the corporations like the Tyrell corporations just gonna be Japanese corporation, and that's what's gonna I guess give the motivation for all of the Japanese aesthetic in in the city and everything. Um, because it definitely in the first one, it's like there's no way the entire movie takes place in Little Tokyo. Um, but it's everywhere and everything. You see Japanese kanji on everything. I think the reasoning is now I'm, I'm just putting this together is in the eighties. The Japanese were in an, uh, an economic, their economic Zenith. Um, mm. that's when like Sony and, and, you know, Nintendo and all these technology companies are, and even like in vehicles, Yamaha and v- motorcycles mm. and, and music and like so much shit goods were getting exported all over the world. And, um, yeah, they were at their a- economic peak. So I feel like that probably Blade Runner's interpretation of the future is one where the economic, uh, the the Japanese economics become so big that they are now, you know, um, the culture is now permeated into other countries. Kind of how the United States culture permeates mm. to other countries through capitalism. Same kind of thing. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. That makes sense. Um, it's like when you have when you like when I was in Japan uh, and you'd see someone wearing a shirt with just en- like English words on it in the same way that like here we have something with a bunch of Japanese kanji on it and we don't know what it says but we think it looks badass. Yeah, we do the same thing. You have things that just say like heart or uh, what was the one I saw that made me laugh? It was just it was something like very normal. It was, it was like a food like hamburger. Yes, it was yeah, just written across a shirt. It's like um, sick. <laughs> and the, the, I don't want to go, and the, I'm going to just make this brief, but you have to remember with Japanese American relations culturally is that because we had mm-hmm. a military, the military base over there and occupied there after World War II, that there was mm-hmm. a lot of sharing of culture back and forth between the two of us. Um, yeah, I mean, the U.S. Uh, afterwards is, like helped rebuild like a lot of that country. Um, so well, at least overs- oversaw, I think, is maybe yeah, the better yeah. word. Um, but uh, yeah, um, what are you giving Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I'm gonna give it a four. 
because only because I like the first one better. I think I'm also going to give this one a four and a half. Um, I was going to give it a four. I gave it a four the first time I saw it. This is the second time I saw it. But I mm. think that it does deserve a four and a half. Um, if I could give it a 4.3, that's really where I'd probably be sitting. But I feel like that doesn't exist. So uh, Yeah, to... honestly, the more I think about J.F. Sebastian, it can just download. They should just uh, downgrade the whole series. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. But all right. All right. Let's wrap this up. Um, next week, we got Dune. We're doing David Lynch Dune. And we're doing Denny uh, Villeneuve Dune. I wanted to talk oh, about... I it's pronounced Villeneuve. Is it not Villeneuve? No, it's Villeneuve. Ah, um, damn. Because, uh, because, uh, yeah. Do you do you look this up or do you just guess and assume that that's right? No, no. I it, this movie came out when I was living in Los Angeles, and everyone out there kept referring to him as. No, honestly, I didn't look it up either. I say that snarkily to then say that um, I just heard it in a. I was watching some videos about twenty forty nine afterwards, and they they pronounced it Denny uh, Villeneuve. I think I actually watched a Dune. I watched a Dune review, and that's what they said it. And I was like, "All right, I'm gonna say it like this on the podcast." Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Got yeah I just I just did it from uh, cultural. It's via today. well, because Villa is via in via in Spanish. If that's if it's not Portuguese, but I think even in Portuguese, it's still via. Um, and then uh, it's um, I thought it'd be like New Wave A, like the number, but I, I think it's or like uh, the the one Steelers football player, his last name was something New Wave, uh, that's spelled similar. But yeah, it's um, just New Wave apparently. A new wave. A new but, wave. Um, all right, so yeah, next week's the Dune episode, and uh, yeah, so get hold on to your butts, sluts. I'm so excited for this. I am so excited for these. So make I've, sure I'm sorry, good. All right. Well, I'm. It's. I don't. I don't know. We're. Thanks everybody for tuning in and uh, follow us on all the things, Spotify and YouTube and everything. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for coming out. See you, everybody.